Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. I was talking with Sarah today about our gym memberships, our aspirations to um, get fit and, and work out, right? I mean, that's what most people do whenever it comes to uh, the new year. And But ours started like middle of last year, so this has been a little while. But let me tell you, our first uh, jumping back into the gym since I think been getting married, right? Um, yeah. So it's been a while, middle of last year, and we're like, you know what, we're going, but we can't spend a whole lot in tight budget. So let's go to Planet Fitness, and uh, that's like the cheapest gym around. And so we drive there together, but like we're like... We're getting a membership, and we're going to start working out right now. And so we got, you know, we, we put on all of our workout clothes. We get in the car. We drive there, and we're like, all right, we're going to get the membership. And they're going to be like, when do you want to start? We're like, right now. We need the locker keys, right? I mean, so we're like, we're pumped. And so we, we go into um, Planet Fitness. We pay our, uh, like, upfront fee, however much it is. And they're like, okay, um, you want to get started? We're like, absolutely. So we go back. We get to the locker rooms, right? We pick our lockers. We meet back out there, and we hit the gym. Uh, I mean, we're just hitting, uh, hitting the ground running like 100 miles an hour. And so we get to the machine, and we're starting to work out together, right? So, like, we'll, I'll do a set. I get off. She'll change the weights uh, to a lot more than what I was doing. And then we, uh, and then, so we're, like, going back and forth. We were so excited because we are getting fit. We're, we're, we're getting back into it at Planet Fitness. But let me tell you, it only lasted so long with Sarah, I'll admit. Um, I still try to go every once in a while, but this one trip, we were about 10 minutes in, may, I'll say 15 to be gracious, 15 minutes in, and when... At first, she was starting, she's like, all right, what are we doing next? What are we doing first? You know, I mean, she was like ready, and she, we were even looking up workout plans on Google before. I mean, that, that proves that you're serious about working out when you're like looking up free workout plans from livestrong.com, and that's what we were doing, and we got there, and we're like, all right, so we just have this, and then after this, we're going to that machine right over there, and we're like, okay, cool, we got it, and so we're like, we're pumped, and we only make it through the first machine, and she's like, yeah, I think a... Uh, yeah, I'm definitely actually going to just go wait in the car. I'll wait for you whenever you're done. And I was like, wait, what? You're joking. Like, we just paid for your membership. She's like, yeah. And so since we have canceled her membership, but um, she legitimately, <laughs> she legitimately for like 40 minutes waited in the car for me. And she just sat there. And no shame. I mean, she just did it. And I, I, mean, I don't even know what the receptionist was thinking. Like, she literally just got there. Worked out for about 10 minutes, and then she just was like, see you later, you know, carrying her bag out, and she was waiting in the car. And so um, it's pretty shameful, but I'm sorry. No, not to shame you. Um, I think about that because when it comes to our relationship with God, I think a lot of the times we can get so pumped up and transform our lives to give our lives to Jesus, and we get to this place where we're like, yeah, it's actually okay. I'm Call that good. And there's this like moment of stagnation where we're just like calling it good, happy with where I'm at, I'm content, or I'm less fired up than I was before, and we just kind of get stagnant, right? And I want to talk tonight about that, that reality of just, I, I don't want us to ever grow stagnant in our pursuit and our being challenged by the Holy Spirit and our growing to being more like Him. I want it to be every single day a pursuit to be better, not to say, you know what, I'm content with where I'm at, I feel like I'm a decent person, I'm going to church enough, and so 
calling it good, calling it quits. He loves me, and that's all I need. I want us to be every single day saying, I want more to be like Jesus. I want to look like him. I want to represent him better. I want people to be blown away by my love for Jesus more tomorrow. And that wasn't enough, and right? So just have this craving, this passion, this pursuit to be, to be like him more because the reality is that loving Jesus, like this, this initial falling in love with Jesus is not the end. That's actually the start to what God's will is for our lives, right? That's not the end of it. That's not the conclusion of God's will for your life. God's will for your life starts there and you are moving forward with what he now has planned for you and has had planned for you. And so it's not the, it's not the end where we can just sit back, kick our legs up and relax. It's, it's the start. It's upon salvation where all the difficult growth pains come in, right? All the growth pains don't come in before you're saved. It's whenever we profess the name of Jesus that now we should have a life of toil and growing and straining, right, and growth. And, and sometimes that's, that's painful. So I want you and I, every single day, right, to be committing ourselves to growth pains and never being content with where we're at in our pursuit for Jesus or our looking like him. I'd never want you to be content and say, that's good enough. I want every single day, me and you, to be saying, that's not good enough. I, I want more of Jesus. I'm not content with how much I look like him right now. I want to look like him more tomorrow. And so um, I, want, I want to talk about that because I think the passage that we're going to read tonight in Philippians 4, it can be read one of two ways. Either we can read it and say, yep, yeah, that's a passage I've read a million times in my life. Call it good. Close the book. Not much to learn from that. Or we can say, this, this is so challenging. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know if I can actually live that out. I mean, it really can be read like, okay, yeah, that's cool. That's encouraging. Or, oh, that's challenging. I don't know what to do with that. So I want us to really read it. And it's speaking into how we should be living and how we can be growing and, and how we can better ourselves. So let's do that tonight. Um, Philippians 4, we're going to be starting in verse 10. We're going to be going to verse 18. It's going to be up on the screen, or if you have your Bible in front of you, you can read it there. Philippians 4, 10 through 18. This is what Paul says. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now, at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to, to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Whew. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves... Know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church had entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful verse that is. I love that. I'll read it again. And my God, my God, it's not just God, a God, something up there, but my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory 
in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So reading that, we can just read that and say, yep, that was neat, close it, kind of understood it. Or we can read it to better us, to grow us, and sometimes that is painful and, and difficult. I want, us to, I want us to do the second and really be grown by it. Uh, there's two, I think, radical principles that we should be living by that we can pull from this text, okay? So two rules to live by that we can pull from this text and learn from. The first one is that we should give to those in need if you are able. Give to those in need if you are able. And what's scary about that is because it's, it's open-ended in how much and how often you're able. <laughs> because we're able a lot of the times, Right? And there's no specification of how much. I don't see 10% up there, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. It doesn't say how much or how often. It says if you're able and they're in need, give. That's scary, right? Because it's so broad and it speaks directly to us. It makes you wonder, well, what what about me? What about my needs, though? I mean, it doesn't speak to your needs. If they're in need and you're able, give. I think that's the first rule to live by that this text really talks about, and we're going to dive into it. But the second one is trust in God for your own needs. I think a lot of times we flip it, right? You guys with me? I think, I think a lot of times we flip these, and we start to trust in God for, those, for their needs. God's going to take care of them. They're good, and we care for ourselves. But no, we should flip it and say, I'm going to care for them, and I'm going to trust in God for me. That's... That's the heart that we should have. This is the heart behind our, our initiatives. I mean, you guys know the quarterly initiatives, how we were working with I Poor Life and, and, uh, and loving on the orphan and the foster child a few months ago. And now, starting next week, February, uh, February, March, and April, we're going to be loving the pregnant woman and the unborn population, right? And so we're just going to be loving unconditionally and just giving financially and serving and praying. And we're just going to say, this is a demographic for the next three months that we're going to just care for. And what we want from that is that you guys and, and, my, and myself, we together would be saying, I want to give to them however much I'm able and however much they need, I'm just going to give and just give and give and give and I'm going to trust that God's gonna take care of me as I give to them. That as I give and I lose for myself and I give to them, that God's going to replace and he's going to provide and, and care for me. I'm going to trust for me and give for them. I'm not going to trust that God will care for them and, and that I will just care for myself. We're going to be the means in which God cares for them. We're going to be the vessel in which God cares for them. And we're going to trust in God for ourselves that, that he will use somebody else and some other means to provide for us because we want to give sacrificially. And those are the two rules that, um, that I want us to be living by and they're hard, they're not easy, because we see this in Scripture, and they're almost like hyperboles in Scripture, right? People, if you, if you know that big word, where it's almost like, yeah, okay, that's a little extreme, that's not where I actually need to be, that's too much, or that's too extreme, that's to make a point where, you know, this person sells all of their belongings because they need to follow, like Jesus says to the rich young ruler, like, sell all you own, not just most of it, not just, uh, but all all you own, sell that and come follow me. And we're like, that's a hyperbole. I don't need to actually do that. He didn't actually need to do that. Um, and you know, the reality is I want us to be the modern day 
hyperboles in scripture, if that's what you want to call it. I want us to be like them. I want us to be the modern day widow whenever in our little, in our not having very much, give all of it. The two coins, that's all she had and she gave. I want us to be the modern day Zacchaeus who gave 50%, not 10%, right? We just get locked in on this number. He gave 50% of all he owned. I want us to be the modern day Zacchaeus where we care for other people and we trust in God to care for us as we give to them. I want us to be the modern day people in scripture that give sacrificially in love. So give to those in need if you're able and trust God for your own needs. These are the two rules that we're gonna be looking at tonight in this text. The first one, let's spend some time on that. Give to those in need if you're able. This is all over scripture. We see generosity is a characteristic for, not most Christians, but, but it's all Christians, guys. You know, it's, it's all Christians. This is, this is let, me, let me give you an example that, will never happen. A person's a Christian, they're like, yeah, but I'm just not for the whole gener- generosity thing. Like, I'm not much for caring for people. I'm a Christian, but like this whole, like really trying to give to people and helping people out, like I, I just don't really wanna do that. That doesn't exist because we see that Christians, a characteristic that naturally flows from somebody that has a heart for Jesus will be generous It's impossible to be somebody that has a heart for Jesus and not a heart to give to people. It doesn't happen. And so this is a characteristic. This up here, giving to those in need, if you are able, is a characteristic for all Christians. And that's crazy because maybe some of us are feeling like, well, it's not a characteristic of me. It's a characteristic for all Christians. Let me me show you here. Uh, 1 John 3, verse 16 it says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. This is that we know love, that Jesus Christ would lay down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And he's, and he's asking a rhetorical question. He's saying God's love doesn't abide in this person. If you have the, or, the world's goods and you see somebody in need and you turn your heart against him, John is saying you don't have the love of God in your heart because Christians would give. Christians would be sacrificial. Christians would love. Christians ought to lay down their lives for their brothers. He continues in verse 18 and says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but indeed and in truth, would we not just say we want to care for these people, but that we would show it in our actions? Or this proverb, Proverb 21, verse 13, or just 13, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. And this is salvific. This is regarding salvation. Those who close their ear to the cry of the poor will also one day cry out and not be heard. Christians are generous as the characteristic of all Christians. And so looking at this text tonight in Philippians, let's be challenged by it. Let's be grown by it. Let's be stretched by it and be discomforted by this because it is discomforting. Look at the text. It's specifically in verse 10. This is what he says. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You're indeed concerned for me. 
but you had no opportunity. So this is what Paul's situation is here with the, with the Philippians, okay? So they were at one time concerned for him, but they just couldn't give. Like, they just weren't able. They were not able to give to him. And he's like, I get it. But now I rejoice because you have revived your concern for me. And it's to be assumed that they can give to him now. Whatever it was before that was hindering them, maybe he was too far away and they couldn't get to him, or they just didn't have the resources, whatever it was, they had a concern before, and it just wasn't happening. They just didn't have the capacity or the ability to give to him. But now they do. And so the reality that I want us to see here is that a simple concern for somebody without being able to help them at all, like you really just, your hands are tied, you just can't help them, but you are, you're concerned for them, that is not a bad thing. That is a good thing to be concerned for somebody, even if you can't help them. Sometimes, sympathy is all that we can do and have sometimes. But I'd say it's rare. I'd say the vast majority of the time, it's not just sympathy that we can offer, but we can actually do something, right? Something, most of the time we can do something. Do you remember, uh, if you went to retreat, maybe you remember this from Austin. He said, because we can't do everything, we don't bother doing anything. And that happens. That's true. Whenever we feel like we can't do everything, we just don't bother doing anything. And that's not what scripture would call us to do. We should not only have a concern, but if we are able to help this person, we should, we should go and, and give to them. Paul's rejoicing when their concern went to action, when it was coupled with action, when they not only were concerned for him, but they were also able to do something and meet a need. And at that point, he said, I rejoice. I rejoice in the Lord. Would we be people that aren't just concerned, but able to give and we don't? Would we not be actionless people that are concerned for the well-being of people outside these walls, but would we be people that are concerned and we do something about it, right? And we would do something about it. So that's the first one, to give to those in need. If you are able, he's saying, I am so thankful that you gave when you were able. I rejoice in the Lord that you gave when you were able. And the second thing is to trust God for your own needs. We're gonna give and just give and just give and just want these people to receive what, they, what we're able to give and then we're going to trust in God for our own needs. We're gonna trust in God for our own needs. Like the widow who gave the two coins, all she could give, she just, she just gave and she just said, I want that to benefit people when it's like a penny and it's not going to, but it's the heart behind it. She's like, I just wanna give and help the kingdom of God be pushed forward and I'm gonna trust in God that he's going to provide for me. And so trust in God for your own needs. That's the second rule that we, I think we should be living by. If we look at the text again, after verse 10, he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation, I am to be content. Okay, so whatever's happening, I can, I can be content. How is that? I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret. Okay, he's like, so here's, here's how I can be content. Here's how I can be happy in any circumstance. It doesn't matter what happens to me. I don't care if I get persecuted, if I get thrown in jail, if I get whipped, or I get a bunch of money brought in. I can be content. It doesn't matter. None of those things affect me because I have a secret that keeps me content regardless. The secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I don't care what happens to me. I am content and I'm unaffected by those fluctuations. The roller coasters of life. I'm content because I have the secret. And the secret we see in verse 13, I can do all things through what? Who? Him 
who strengthens me. Jesus Christ is the one that would sustain us and provide for us and care for us. The secret to being content in life regardless of abounding or being low, hungry or having plenty, right? Jesus is what sustains and makes Paul content. Can I, can we have an honesty hour for just a second? I thought about not saying this, but I think it's important. I think it's true and I think it's challenging, right? So um, I'm gonna say it anyway. I think the difference between the persecuted church overseas, you know, China, the underground church, the, the church where you could really give up your life for believing in Jesus, I think the difference between them and the Americanized church today is an embracing of this truth. I think it's harder for us sometimes to embrace that because we don't know how to be content with Christ when hunger hits or when we get low in life. But the persecuted church the people that are hiding for their faith, I think they have to, right? They have to be content. Uh, they have to just, just latch onto Jesus and just trust into Jesus and believe that Jesus will provide for them no matter what happens, whether they get out from the underground or they're able to have faith publicly or they're on the underground. They have Jesus and they're content. They're okay. I think that's the difference between the underground persecuted church and the Americanized church is we we don't know what it means to latch on to just trusting Jesus. Because when life gets hard, many of us would fall and say, I, where are you, God, right? You gave up on me, God. Persecuted church, they, they know what it means to latch on to Jesus. And I want us to learn that and to just believe and just to trust that God has got me regardless of what happens in my life. This is what he says, and this verse can be so misused, but he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And this is not saying, this is not saying that he can just do whatever he wants, right? I mean, he can, he can go dunk a 10-foot goal. And I know you guys have heard that a million times, but what he's saying is I can endure. It doesn't matter if I am rich or I'm poor. It doesn't matter if I have a lot or I have a little. It doesn't matter if I'm not persecuted at all or I am persecuted. I am content. I'm happy. I'm sustained because Jesus Christ cares for me. It's not whether or not he has money. It's not whether or not he is comfortable. It's whether or not he has Jesus, because he trusts in and relies on Jesus. I heard a quote. I think I have it up here. Yeah. I don't know who it's from, but I think it's so true. We pray for lack of pain when we should be praying for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't know who that's from, but I think it's so true. We oftentimes just pray for lack of pain, and we just pray that good things would happen when we should just be praying for the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with us. We should be praying for the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with us. And so these are the two rules that we should just give and just give and give and just want that people would, would just receive from us, that we could just be that for them and just care for them and build them up. And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, you've already given me a lot. I don't care. I want to give you, I want to give you more. I want to be so generous. I want, to, I want to just supply for you. And then also trust God for our own needs, even when they're not coming in when we're wishing that they would be. You're saying, I trust in you. You're, you're the one that sustains me, God. So these are the two principles that Paul lays before us. And now, very quickly, I think that he 
uses the Philippian church as an example for this, okay? So we can learn from the Philippian church in the next few verses because they exemplify this. So he says, first of all, he starts talking about how they're giving and giving to Paul when they were able to. So he's like, thank you so much for doing that. And then he also commends them and says, continue on and trusting in God for your own needs because my God will supply for you. So Philippians, the Philippian church, they really are examples for you and I and how we could live out these two rules. Look at what he says. He says, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. You Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into what? Partnership with me and giving and receiving. So he's like, you guys became my partners. You started caring for me. You started loving me. Man, how cool would that to be if, if Pregnancy Care Center or I Poor Life or all these other people started saying, man, the Evangel Temple Youth, they're our partners because they're regularly giving, they're regularly pouring in, they're regularly supplying, they're regularly just loving us. And he's considering them his partners because they are regularly just loving Paul. He's like, you entered into partnership with me and giving and receiving. No one did that except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So it wasn't a one-time thing. Here, be blessed. I want to look good, giving to you a whole lot of money. But it's, I want to keep giving to you. And as you need more, I will give more. I want to keep supplying. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And he keeps going. He says, I've received full payment and more. So you've given abundantly. You've given abundantly. I'm well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So he's saying, God is pleased, God loves that you are giving to me and supplying for me, and that you have a heart to give, a selfless heart, a, a generous heart. So that's the first rule that they really are living out. They are giving when they are able to. What's the second rule? Someone know? Second rule that we're living by. There we go. You're like, I'm too scared. Trust in God for your own needs. And that's what he encouraged them here at the very end. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he's saying, guys, thank you so much for giving. And not just giving, but giving abundantly. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for supplying for me everything that I would need and more. And now just trust that God is going to supply for you. That God is going to supply for you. And so I want to ask the question tonight as we're wrapping up. What is your greatest struggle to make this personal? To take this text and to apply it to your life? What is your greater struggle? Is it giving liberally, giving abundantly to people? Is it the giving part? Is it letting go and saying, here, this is yours. Here, I want you to have this. Here, I want you to be blessed. Is it the letting go and, and, and just giving? Or is it, the, is it the trusting after you've done the giving? That God's going to supply for your every need. And that might not be the needs that you are expecting, right, or wanting. Maybe you're wanting this or that or that, but God's really like, no, actually, you need, you need just more of me. So what is, your, what is your greater struggle tonight? Is it giving, letting go, or is it trusting that God will supply everything that you will need?
to the person that's saying, well, you know, I think it's actually the letting the go, the, the letting go and just giving to them, just giving liberally, giving abundantly to somebody else. That's probably my struggle. I would, I'd encourage you that um, we're not called to giving a percentage, okay? So uh, if you're just like, I'm just easing my conscience, easing my soul because I'm giving 10%, but really like you really don't have a whole lot of expenses, so you're just still spending a whole bunch of money and you're like, well, I'm still my 10%. I'd say that you're, you're not called to a percentage, you're called to generosity, okay? If you read the New Testament, he talks about generous people. He talks about giving sacrificially. He doesn't just keep throwing a percentage at them. And so I'd, I'd consider that you're not called to a percentage, you're called to generosity. I'd say don't work towards 10%, work towards meeting people's needs. Work towards meeting people's needs. Zacchaeus, he gave 50%, not just 10, okay? Zacchaeus, when he met Jesus and Jesus transformed his life, he said, I want to give half of everything I own and I'll replace everything that I've che- cheated other people. I'll give back to them and I'll still give 50% away. It wasn't a percentage to him. It was generosity to him. It wasn't just hitting a percentage. It was meeting needs. The widow, she gave everything she had and it wasn't very much, but she gave everything, 100% of what she had. The good Samaritan, do you remember what he did to the person whenever he brought them to the inn? He took care of all the immediate needs right there and then he left, but he told the innkeeper, he said, you do anything, you buy whatever you need for this person and I'll pay it back. So he just left it open. He just left it open. He said, you know what, however much it is, here's a blank check. It's not meeting a percentage, it's meeting a need. It's not a percentage, it's generosity. So I'd encourage you to those who are like, it's really hard for me just to give up. I'd say seek generosity to the person who is just saying, well, you know, it's probably the trust in God after I do give it away, right? Trusting God that he will be with me, that he will provide for me. I'd say as hard as it is to hear, we aren't called to comfort and security. We're called to rely on God. And much of the times that's not comfort and security. The rich young ruler, that was his problem. He wasn't willing to sell everything. The... uh, there's a book that Pastor Nick and I are reading right now, and, and um, the author is really funny. He um, was wanting to buy a house with his wife, and he, uh, he's like, okay, well, how about you do this? You write down your five, top five, like, attributes of a house that you really like, non-negotiables, you need these things, and I will go and do the same, and we're going to compare notes, and we're going to really go house hunting based off of our combined list. Your top five, my top five, what do we need in a house? And so they get they go and they do that and they come back together and he's like, okay, what is your number one? Let's start with that. And she said, I need a, we need a backyard fenced in for our kids to be able to run around in and we feel comfortable with that. And she goes, what's yours? And his face just drops. He's like, hmm. She's like, what was it? And he goes, ah, water. I really want to make sure that we have water. And, and she's like, are you, are you serious? But I think that really speaks to this. Are you willing to be selfless? Are you willing to be just, you know what, I'm just going to keep giving and giving and giving, and if that means the top attribute that I need in a house is running water and everything else, I can just give and just give and give, would we be those people? We're not called to comfort. We're not called to security. We're called to relying on God and just pursuing him, and not always is that easy. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. 
If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at ecchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.